Hello everyone, I am Skyler Holzman, president of radio at Big Red Sports Network. We have a very special episode of Bear Tracks hosted by a few members of BRSN's eBoard, Helen Kim, Ashton Jimenez, and Annika Bissinger. Today's interview is with triathlete and former captain of Cornell Women's Cross Country, Taylor Nib. Hello everyone, my name is Helen Kim and I am VP of blog here at BRSN. And today we are chatting with Cornell women's cross country, track, and swimming triple threat superstar, Taylor Nib. Taylor, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Well, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Happy to have you. This is a special episode, um, again, honoring Taylor as she was just named another nominee for NCAA Female Athlete of the Year. Um, so like our last episode, we wanted this one to be led by the female leaders in our club. So today I am also joined with Ashton Jimenez and Annika Bissinger. Hi, (laughs) happy to be with you. Okay. Um, All right, Taylor, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, Quarantine hobbies, how has it been? Have you gone on any fun trips or vacations? I know um, traveling is kind of limited, but any new hobbies you picked up, just things you've been doing? Unfortunately, not really. It hasn't been super interesting. I've been in one place, which is the longest time I've ever really been in one place, I think, which has been really nice. Um, And then I am mostly just spending time with my family and my dog, cooking a lot, and each day is blending into the next. So where are you right now? I'm just outside of D.C. at my parents' house. All right, cool. That's a great area. Yes, it's nice and warm. (laughs) So it sounds like you've kind of been getting back to the basics almost in quarantine, I guess, resting, recoupling, getting ready. Um, So while we're on the topic of back to the basics, before we touch on your future and your accomplishments, we kind of want to talk about, I guess, back to the triathlon and the running and the swimming and the biking beginnings. So um, if you don't mind just telling us kind of about your introduction to triathlon, um, we did read on the Team USI website that you were inspired to become a triathlete after watching your mom compete in Ironman. So tell us a little more about that. Yeah, so when I was growing up, I'd go and watch my mom's races. She would do running races and triathlons, and I always wanted to do it. But I'm not sure it was actually for the race itself. She got all these like cool get, like goodie bags and a wristband, and like it was all the external parts of the race that I loved. So I did a kid's race, which was awesome because it was like, maybe like a 200 meter swim, a two or three mile bike and like a half mile run. So the race itself wasn't more than like 15 or 20 minutes, but I just got all like the post-race food and the whole atmosphere and getting to talk to everyone in transition. That's what I loved. It was more of like getting to know people and getting to have the experience versus for the love of the sport. But I learned to love the sport later and that was in 2009. So I was 11 at that point and I kind of just did triathlons for fun. And I mostly swam and I played ice hockey, actually. So my first serious triathlon was when I was a freshman in high school. And I just decided to give up hockey entirely and focus on swimming. And I actually raced um, my, I guess, now former teammate, but what would have been my future teammate in Kylie Spearing. And I came out of the water first. And then I was in transition area. I had such a bad transition that Kylie came into transition and left. And she was like all done with it. And she was out on the bike. So I was following her the entire bike ride, just trying to keep up. 
but that so that's how I got introduced to the sport and I loved it so what kind of made you decide that I guess you said it was all the ex- external factors, but was what was it for you that said it's not ice hockey for me anymore, but instead it's going to be this triathlon route? Well, so actually at that point it was so choosing between ice hockey and swimming. And I'm just, I, I, it was a very back and forth decision. I'm not, I kind of decided at swim practice, I was really biased. Um, the hockey season had ended. I had to make the choice. I made the team for the next year, but I had to decide. And I decided during the swim practice, which might not be the smartest choice, but I'm grateful that I made that decision to this day. And it really, it could have gone either way. I just loved each sport, but I knew at that point I couldn't dedicate myself to both sports. I'd be giving up a lot. So I wanted to really go focus on one and then it turned out that three weeks later, I raced a higher level triathlon that I'd never done before. It just was like a complete coincidence that this higher level happened to be in Richmond, which my mom was willing to drive down from DC. It's two hours. Like she wasn't going to fly across the country for a race. It was just the first year the race happened, happened to be super competitive. I happened to do pretty well. And so it was that month was a lot of luck. And then I started running cross country and it just kind of one thing led to the next and I didn't really have a plan. It wasn't like I decided, Oh, I'm going to pursue triathlon. It just kind of came on. Well, luck or not, I would say that team USA and Cornell are pretty happy that, that this lucky happening um, took place because obviously you've been successful as a triathlete. You were the USA triathlon junior elite national champion. You were a silver medalist at the international triathlon junior world championships. You have several world titles on and on, and you've been successful as a runner and a swimmer. You were Washington DC Gatorade cross country runner of the year. um, And the list doesn't stop there. So how does it feel to be successful in such a wide variety of sports? Obviously you were competing on the national level at such a young age. Um, So tell us a little bit about that and whether or not this success motivated you. Like what was, what was going on in your head at such such a young age that you were exposed to such a national competition? I think I was very much in a bubble. DC is kind of a bubble and like I didn't, I, when I came to Cornell, people talk about state championships and all these national meets and I'm like, I had none of that. Like, <laughs> there, you talk about, like, regionals and states. No, D.C. is not a state, so there's none of that. And I just kind of raced the people around me. I saw what they were doing. And I was lucky to be exposed to really great competitors. And I think they really helped me because I saw, okay, what's possible? And they set a bar for me. But it wasn't – that was never the aim. That was never the goal. I was just trying to get better and improve. Well, I would say you definitely did that. Um, (laughs) You've definitely racked up quite the, you know, list of accomplishments. Um, And you briefly mentioned, I mean, you were doing all these sports, you're in your little bubble. What made you decide to go to Cornell? I mean, I'm pretty sure that you had quite the family legacy um, there. And so did you always know that you wanted to be a Cornelian or what kind of led you to choose Cornell as your place to you know, continue your athletic career and expand your academic learning career? Yes, actually, I'm the 10th person in my family to go to Cornell. My grandparents went to Cornell, met at Cornell. One of my great uncles went to Cornell. And then all four of my mom and her three brothers went to Cornell. And then I have two cousins who went to Cornell. So it was kind of, I heard a lot about Cornell football when I was at my grandparents' house. 
my, uh, my grandfather played football and everyone knew that. So I kind of wasn't sure I wanted to go to Cornell. Um, I visited spring of my junior year, just kind of because my like it was on our tour and we went and it was a really gray day, really like we didn't love the tour, just wasn't awesome. My mom's like, Cornell's probably off your list now, right? And I'm like, no, like I always, I always wanted to give it a chance and it just like kept coming back. And I would look at other schools and I'd fall in love with another school, but then like Cornell kept on like bobbing its way back in. Um, and that's, I applied regular decision and I was made, I made the choice end of April. So it was very much, it just kind of, I crossed off every other school and Cornell had fantastic opportunities. I loved the coaches. I loved the team and it just seemed like it would provide great opportunities. And I felt like I could be happy whether or not I was doing athletics, which that was really important for me. I wanted to, I'd be, the athletic layer was almost the icing at the cake on the time. I wanted to have a solid base and know, okay, if I break my leg or I can never do sports again, I can still enjoy myself here. And so that's why I chose Cornell and I'm glad I did. So that's good. good. It was a good choice. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, so out of all the sports that you do compete in at Cornell, do you have like a favorite sport or a favorite season? Um, I know that might be a little controversial for some of your teammates, um, but I was just curious if you had a favorite. I don't think you can pick a favorite. It's like, I don't have kids, but it would be like asking a mother to pick their favorite child, probably. Um, that's probably a very awful analogy, but I love what each sport provides. Um, the cross-country team and the track team are fairly similar, but because most people who do cross-country also do track, but even there, there are different dynamics, and I appreciate the variety. I appreciate getting to watch and learn from other people, and I just, I think it's the teammates on the teams that make it such a valuable experience, and I love it all. That's awesome. Definitely spoken like a true triathlete. Um, so, you know, you definitely had competed on a national stage through triathlons. Um, do you think that this sort of prepared you for the high intensity nature and the size of collegiate athletics in the same way? I don't know. I think that I wasn't, I didn't have very high expectations for myself going into college because as I said earlier, like I hadn't been exposed to very high national level running. And so the goal in running was my coach at the time had said it was like a triathlete project. There's another triathlete coming in my grade. He'd never experienced it. We didn't have all the time standards that most collegiate runners do. So it was really an experiment on a ton of sides. And I just, it was kind of just have fun, try to get better, surround yourself with people who are better, both in competition and day-to-day training environment to help bring the best out of you. And that was the aim. And so there weren't any set goals. And I think that because I didn't have any goals, there weren't any limits. That's awesome. I mean, you've definitely now, you know, you're a seasoned athlete, um, especially at the collegiate level. You've now competed in multiple NCAA championships, um, even competing as early as your freshman year. So can you sort of walk us through what was going through your head in your first NCAA championship? Was that nerve wracking? Um, you know, just tell us what you were thinking. Well, so actually my first NCAA championship, I don't know what counts for cross country or not. There are different levels, but I consider 
the first championship to be my junior year in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and I like, I'll fully admit I have a lot, I have a lot of goals in college that I formed over the years that I didn't achieve. I very much wanted, I had high aspirations and I didn't reach those. Um, so my, but my first time there, it was very different because I was an individual who had qualified. And so I didn't have my team and the whole season I had a teammate who she's really good. She starts out the races really well. And so I just follow her for the first kilometer or so. And then all of a sudden she wasn't there. Um, so it was just a different experience racing on your own in cross country. And I'm grateful for the experience. I learned a lot from that race and I wish I could have performed better the next year when I was back there. But, um, I just, I'm grateful for every experience I was given. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you were able to like acknowledge that, you know, you set goals, but you may not meet them. I think that's a really good lesson for any athlete. You know, sometimes it's better to have those lessons or have those goals that are kind of unattainable because that makes you work even harder to try to reach them. And so I think that's like a good message to um, young athletes out there. It's so important to set goals for yourself and try to meet those. So um, it's good to hear, you know, such a talented athlete as yourself, you know, still having those struggles and always still trying to achieve more and be better. Um, but as finishing off um, your Cornell career, your senior year, you were the cross country captain. Um, you finished 16th at the NCAA Division One Regional, and this helped the team to have an automatic bid to the national championship. And this was the first time that the Cornell team received an automatic bid since 1998. So how did it feel to be a part of that team and, you know, bring Cornell back to that uh, high stage? It was a shock. I think we had, we had a lot of changes that season. It was not expected. Um, my, the other two captains and I, we had sat down with our former coach the previous January, and that was our goal for that year. And then we changed coaches and things were a bit rocky in the season, but we just kind of focused on what we were doing. And it was interesting in how the goal wasn't even spoken of the night before the race. Um, We just had kind of a general understanding of it. And then I even remember like I crossed the line and I thought, okay, that's like, that's I'm done with my collegiate cross country career. And then it was like a second opportunity because I wasn't expecting it. It was just so unexpected and such a surprise. So it was a fantastic opportunity. And I hope that that gives the upcoming runners, whenever they to race a cross country season again, the confidence of what they can do. Definitely. I think that's, you guys really did kind of start it off for future teams for sure. Um, and really quick, I just want to touch on, you know, you were named captain and what was being captain like? Do you thrive in those leadership positions? Do you like, um, you know, having that opportunity to lead the team and, um, you know, be a captain? Just touch a little bit about that, on that. It was a different experience from what I was expecting. Um, the team nominates you the previous November. I was excited but nervous. And I got an email from my coach at the time the previous year, and he emailed to us, like, he said, just – be yourself. He said a lot of times captains will try to do something different, but the most important thing is that your team elected you for who you are. You don't have to be anything other than that. Like that's why they elected you. Don't try to go above and beyond or be this different person. 
And that really stuck with me, but we had a coaching change. And so expectations changed. Um, and the previous, the captain's role was really outlined. I had seen what other captains did. I'd learned from older teammates and then just kind of the carpet got pulled out from us. And so that was where it was really helpful having two co-captains to bounce ideas off of and talk to and work with. Um, I do not know how I would have done it alone. And also we have a very mature team and they were very, very accommodating, I think, and very, very patient with us because we were very new. So I hope it was a learning experience for everyone. I hope I did a good job. I'm sure you did. And it's interesting to hear how even, you know, in leadership positions in athletics, you know, a lot of things go into that. And it's interesting to hear how even under different coaches and stuff like that, you know, the expectations for a captain can change, but I'm sure you did a great job. Um, a couple more questions um, before we move on to beyond Cornell. Um, first, how did the abrupt end to the outdoor track season feel? You know, that was due to COVID and everything. It, got canceled and was that unfortunate for you? Were you disheartened by that? Um, and how did it feel to know that, you know, you were training for it and then all of a sudden it wasn't going to happen? Yeah, I'd say there were a lot of mixed emotions. I think because I was at school and with my teammates and for everyone, it was a loss. And so for different people, it has different meanings. And so seeing how much my teammates and especially some teammates who come back from injury were having a hard time with it because it felt like this huge loss to them um, and other seniors. That was really hard to watch and to also be there for in a lot of ways. Um, and so I felt like I didn't really see it as a loss for me. Um, it was because I'm hoping my that's not the end of my athletic career. Um, I like I've accepted that um, I won't be able to achieve certain goals that I had in the NCAA. As I said previously, I did explore potentially like or at least think about: Do I want to use this remaining eligibility? Do I want to continue? And I think that I just I had to accept that I have other goals in triathlon specifically, and that I want to focus on those. Um, so that's, like, that's a choice that I've made personally. And like, it's always hard when a decision is kind of made for you, but it was, I think the hardest part for me was seeing how many people were so hurt and devastated. Yeah. I think that was just one of the many impacts that, you know, COVID-19 has left on athletes, especially spring athletes who had to abruptly end their season and for seniors, especially, um, you have the unique opportunity to continue your athletic career, which I think is amazing. Um, but as you said, it's for some people that was the end. That's you know a very disheartening thing to realize. Um, but you know, how does it know for you to feel that you have really left your mark on the Cornell women's athletic programs, both in cross country track and swimming? Um, you've really left your mark. You've made a you know. You'll, you'll be known as a prominent female athlete in those sports. Um, so how does that feel knowing that you've been able to leave your mark on that? Well, I don't really think of it that way. I, I feel like I haven't, I didn't achieve as much as the people who, a lot of the people who I looked up to. Um, so I feel like I felt 
I fell short in a lot of ways, um, but I did something different, I guess. And I think that the biggest thing going into college and meeting a lot of my teammates was that they showed me how much was possible and how you can achieve, you can strive for excellence in athletics and academics. And so hopefully, um, and you might not reach all of your goals, but having that goal and having that aim can help you reach your full potential and maximize opportunities. So hopefully it just expands what people think is possible. Well, Taylor, I know at least from personal experience and being on that team that you did leave your mark, whether it be in your mindset, just through achievements alone, but through your work ethic ethic and your mindset, you definitely did leave your mark, whether it be on athletes your age, athletes my age, um, no matter what. So I can say from personal experience that you should be very proud of that. Um, and so now that we are kind of coming to a close in our Cornell questions, so we hear that you plan to be a professional triathlete for Team USA. Um, so we kind of want to know, are you hopeful to compete in the 2021 Olympics? And if so, how did the postponement affect your mindset and or your training? So thank you for that nice comment. Um, I And thank you for being such a great teammate. I am hoping to pursue a triathlon after college, um, I guess. So there's always kind of debacle of like elite versus professional. And so the definition of professional is that you're earning a living like that you can live off of. And there are no races right now. There are no, I'm, I don't have any sponsors. So right now I would consider myself more of an elite triathlete than a professional. I'm hoping I, that can be a possibility, um, but who knows when things will change given the current circumstances. Um, I am, hoping to at least put my best foot forward in qualifying for the 2020 well they're technically the 2020 but they'll happen in 2021 olympic games um and it just depends on criteria and if they're even selection races and if the games are even able to happen um when they were postponed i think i realized how not unprepared, but how much in the back of the mind, my mind they were, because I was just focusing on, okay, winter season, spring season, finishing senior year, graduating, all that. And um, it was almost a relief that I had an extra year, because I feel like, for me, that's a huge opportunity. Triathlon's a sport where women reach their peak in late 20s, early 30s. I'm one of the younger athletes. If I have an extra year, that's like, I feel like it's a tremendous opportunity for me and I want to take advantage of that. I don't want it to go to waste. Yeah. And you did mention earlier um, and through your explanation of professional elite triathlons that you do set goals and that you are hoping to achieve these goals, whether it be, you know, a year delayed or um, in this present time. So besides athletics, do you have any other plans for the future, any other goals, whether that be, um, through psychology, since that's what you majored in, or just, I guess, goals as a person or lifestyle goals? That's a big question. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot. Um, I definitely have, uh, wow, I haven't like put these to words before, I guess, but um, like I definitely have goals. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my undergraduate psychology experience, and I'd like to 
pursue it at a higher level, but I don't know when that'll be. Um, I want to see how long I can pursue sport and like, I don't want to have any questions. I don't want any what ifs. Um, if that's a year, that's what it is. If it's more than that, great. Um, and I'll just kind of see what happens for that kind of thing. I don't love to set such stringent timelines because then I'd feel bad if it fell short or I just don't want to even think about that necessarily. And because I want to put my full focus in this almost not to give myself an option to deviate, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And sort of going into that realm of academics, you know, did you feel like there were a lot of difficulties that you faced trying to juggle triathlons and swimming, running, um, and academics? Obviously, Cornell is a very academically rigorous school. Did you find it challenging during your time there? Well, I I hope everyone finds it challenging. Um, (laughs) We do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that the... The challenge helped me in a lot of ways because I didn't have to make choices. And so my day was very outlined for me because of the sports and because of the academics and that I didn't have a much time, much wiggle room for lack of a better term. And like, so I had to do this at this time. And it was just in not having to think about all the external things of planning a day, I was able to spend that energy focusing on athletics and academics in their respective zones. So I think that helped me versus if I had had a lot of free time, I'm not sure if I would have done any better. I probably would have actually done worse. Um, That just helped me. That's how I work. I don't love to make choices all the time. So having a very structured full day helped me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that in many ways, like my sport definitely helps me organize my schedule in a lot more of a meaningful way and it makes me like really put intention into what I'm doing rather than just like going through the motions um but you know being a triathlete is definitely a really unique position um as many NCAA varsity there's not that many NCAA um varsity triathlon teams so um you know how did you you know do and how did you manage that um, sort of joining a college where you realize there is no set triathlon team that you're going to have to really be an athlete for every single season of the year? Well, so I think it helped me in some ways because so actually the NCAA triathlon season is in the fall. So I wouldn't have been able to race cross country. And it's also coming off of like the international triathlon season I reach is normally March to about September. I raced race last November in 2019, but by September, I'm really ready to stop swimming as much, stop biking as much, like just focus on running a little more. And so I think that if I hadn't been like with my international race schedule, I don't know how I would have done the NCAA schedule. And then each season felt like a break from the previous season. So it was like really refreshing. Similarly, I missed a fair amount of classes And it was really, but it made me really appreciate, like when I was in class, I was psyched to be in class. And I don't think a lot of other college students necessarily feel that way. I may be mistaken, but I'm like, yay, I get to go to class today. It was, (laughs) it was really strange, but I loved it. Yeah, that's hilarious. I mean, I certainly don't um, feel like that every day. So, you know, I applaud you for that. Um, I did miss about 20 days, fall semester, 2018 and 2019. Which is a lot, but um, so you can see why, like, actually being in class was really. 
that's that's so crazy to do you know do you foresee growth in terms of um like the future for women's triathlons in college or just triathlons in general um especially in terms of being recognized um by colleges as an NCAA varsity sport I don't know I don't know what direction it'll go I hope it becomes an NCAA sport but I also think that for the sport based on how long people can or where women reach their peak and how long people can go it's not awful to swim and run in college well that's what i'm hoping because that's what i did <laughs> so <laughs> talk to me in 10 years maybe i'll have a different answer um but specialization early on isn't always a benefit and being able to be on different teams and be with athletes who are so much better than you um in a lot of different realms can be really helpful so when we're focusing on you as an athlete now, because obviously you are talented in multiple sports and can be a role model um, for many people, uh, whether that be female or male athletes, um, we kind of want to touch on maybe who is that role model for you, whether it be in triathlon or athletics in general. Um, I know you mentioned earlier watching your mom doing the Ironmans. I'm sure that was, that was just awesome, I guess, to watch your mom who is when you're young, the woman that's invincible for you, um, do those challenging, challenging races. I could never do one, but, um, besides her, who would you think was someone that kind of, I guess, lit the path for you? Ooh, there are a ton of people. That's the thing. Um, it's hard to name all of them, but it, so it was definitely first my mom. Um, and then I have to give a ton of credit to, um, a USA triathlete, Tamara Gorman. She was a junior. She was the first U.S. American American um, junior world champion, and she won in 2013. And then I got to race her in 2014. And so I kind of got an idea. Okay, I can swim with her. I can bike with her. Um, I just really need to improve my run. And so seeing her, it and getting to race her, it was such a valuable experience. And then getting to spend time with her, I've gotten to know her a little bit better. She's the nicest person ever. Um, so she's like one of my biggest role models, but then the big one in triathlon is Gwen Jorgensen who won Olympic gold in Rio. I think I, I remember that was my move in or actually that was my freshman orientation. And I did not pay attention to the Dean of Arts and Sciences. She was giving a speech because I was watching the race. I, I feel bad to this day, but I thought that that was a little more historic than starting college. So. <laughs> um, but I have a ton of role models. I think um, being surrounded by them, all my teammates, I would say, are also my biggest role models because you see them on a day-to-day basis. You see them at their highest highs, but also you see them at their lowest lows. And I think seeing not the rawness, but the fact that everyone's human and people have things they need to work on and they challenge themselves. And like, I love seeing people succeed and overcome hurdles and challenges and just the personal growth. And I think that seeing, seeing how much is possible and how much change is possible and improvement. You know, for all the reasons that you're listing why those people are your role models, um, I think a lot of people look to you as their role model. Um, you know, you are a leader, not only because of your success, but also because of your determination. And so how does it feel to be someone now that other people are going to view as a role model? You know, young girls who may be in a similar position to you, who have come upon this triathlete sport, um, you know, they might look up to you now as a role model. And so how does that feel? Well, I feel 
honored in a lot of ways, but I also feel like I still have so much work to do and so much that I can improve on and get better. Um, so I think that everyone's still a work in progress and I'd love to learn from them what they're learning too, because I feel like everyone can learn from each other no matter what stage of life you're in. I definitely think that exact, you know, sort of growth mindset has definitely helped you in your success today. Um, and, you know, as we mentioned before, you're now nominated for 2020 NCAA Female Athlete of the Year. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, what does this nomination mean to you? And do you have any advice for young aspiring athletes? Well, I'm extremely honored for it. I don't necessarily think I'm the most deserving or the only one who's deserving because um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have what I did achieve and what I have done. It really wouldn't be possible without a tremendous amount of people every day supporting me. Like it's like when I go to swim practice, it's the people in the pool who help me through practices. I've wanted to get out so many times, especially like, and I've also wanted to stay in bed so many times. Um, but I think it's like people who believe in you and support you. And so that's, like, I'm just extremely grateful and honored. Um, and especially looking at the accomplishments of the other women on the list, I, they've done tremendous things. Well, Taylor, it has been great talking to you. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences as a triathlete. And, you know, talking to you is my first time meeting you and talking to you, but you really are a very inspirational um, woman. And I'm very glad and thankful that we all got the chance to talk to you. Um, we're very excited to see everything that you do in the future, whether that be athletically, um, hopefully, you know, in the near future, that's all it is. And then, you know, as a person and in any other profession, um, as you move forward with your life. So thank you for joining us in this episode that's highlighting women voices in sports and keep up all of your work and empowering young females and all the other athletes in general. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. And thank you for spreading the message even more. It's very nice. <laughs> yes. We're happy to do it. <laughs> thank you, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you guys very much for listening to the interview. If you guys want to check out more content from Big Red Sports Network, you can find them at bigredsportsnetwork.org or you can find them on Instagram and Twitter at CornellBRSN. BRSN.